Hello and welcome into a new edition of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. And joining me today is Dalton Bishop. Hey. And welcoming back Christian Ernst for another week of NFL. What's up? But before we dive into the NFL, we have to, just a few reminders, this podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and other other podcasting platforms. And feedback is always encouraged. But before we dive into... Uh, professional level sports. There's a couple of big news with uh, collegiate athletics today. The Big Ten Conference has announced that they are going to return to play with an eight-game conference schedule slated to begin in mid-October. So I'll start with Dalton. We know the Big Ten has been a pretty good conference that's produced a champion. The first college playoff team is Ohio State. Ohio State's been a perennial powerhouse. Michigan State's had a couple up-and-down years. Michigan's always up in the top. Penn State has produced some studs. So how excited are you for the Big Ten to come back? I'm so excited, man. I can't wait for uh, these teams to get out there, these college teams to get out there and play some football and, uh, you know, just have a good time with it, even though some of the players, you know, decided not to not to uh, come back. Uh, for the season, but you know that's neither here nor there. Let's just let's just have a good college football season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a concern that each player is an individual choice, and I respect players for doing what they need to do with all the precautions that need to be taken with this oh, season, especially. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I totally agree with you on that. I'm just excited to see Justin Fields on the field. No pun intended there, but Justin Fields was one of the most electrifying players I saw last season, and. It would have been a shame if he only got to we only got to see one full year of him playing at Ohio State because that dude's got speed like I've never seen from a quarterback outside maybe Lamar Jackson and his passing ability. He only had one interception before the playoff game against Clemson last year. But like you also said, opt outs like Michael Parsons from Penn State linebacker consider consensus top five, top ten pick, probably one of the best defensive prospects in the draft. Receivers, notably Rondell Moore from Purdue, the local guy from Louisville, Kentucky, went to high school here. So, like, these opt-outs are crucial, but this is going to be a lot of fun football play to be played. For Christian, sure. Yeah, Christian, any thoughts on the Big Ten coming back? Uh, Yeah, Big Ten coming back. Of course, they were the first conference, them in the Pac-12 were the first conferences to cancel all fall sports. And note, like noted, of course, uh, football is the big highlight for Big Ten coming back. But it is for all sport, all fall sports are coming back for the fall and going to come back around you know the end of October mark. But the Big Ten, outside of the SEC, they are where the ratings go: Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Minnesota with PJ Fleck and that culture. They started to you know come out and really be possibly, you know, a really good team in that conference, Nebraska as well. That That's where a lot of the TV time goes. So them being back will definitely help, you know, boost, boost the ratings in uh, college football, but glad to see them back on the field. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned these schools, and it's weird because if you look at states like Ohio, you have schools like Cincinnati that's playing. Pennsylvania, you got Pittsburgh playing. It's like These states have other schools that are playing football, and they're like they're in some good conferences, but they're not the like headlining schools. So it's like always a shame that these conferences opted out. And I think the initial reaction was when the Big Ten did it, Pac-12 follows suit. And of course, Pac-12 is still yet to come back, and they might not come back just given that West Coast is 
like very unpredictable, especially right now with the air quality. That's another story. But like you see the Big Ten, like they thought the other conference, like ACC, SEC, was going to follow suit, and then they see them playing week one, week two now, and they're like, hey, well, if these schools are playing, we might as well give it a go. So then they decided to go back. I mean, it's, it's money driven. Like it's not. It's pretty obvious it is money driven, but it's also yeah, it's the way anyone need money. The conferences need money. The schools. But at the, also at the end of the day, the players wanted to play. And, I mean, I, mean, I don't fault the players for wanting to play. Like, you go to school there, and the people that haven't opted out yet, that's what they want to do. So, I don't fault them at all. And, and, most, of these, and most of these kids, I mean, only like a small 1%, 2% of these college athletes go to the professional level. Like, how many are drafted? Like, 230-something? Around yeah, that? around like 250-ish, something along and, that number. And like a college football program, it only has like 100. So maybe one of your top guys can get drafted. So a lot of these college athletes, hey, this is the last time for most of them they're going to play football. So, you know, whether they get sick or not in a lot of these athletes' uh, minds, this is the last time we get to play football I want to play. Yeah, I don't blame you either. Also in the college athletic news, today officially via John Rothstein, the uh, college basketball season will start November 25th. And that's, I mean, it was, we knew basketball was going to happen one way or another. The only question was when would they start? Usually they start around like early November. But the November 25th date is an interesting start time because it's, let me check my calendar real quick. It is the day before Thanksgiving, which Thanksgiving is when they usually have the big tournaments. So it's a little later, a couple weeks later than usual, but we are getting college basketball. And I think schools had a cut. I think they estimated like about four games for each school. So it's going to be an interesting schedule. And there probably will be a couple like teams trying to scramble to find another opponent. But I'm just excited to see who we get with college basketball because we all know how last year ended unceremoniously when the world stopped and then college basketball was the first one of the first major dominoes because they just flat out canceled their season. So Dalton, how excited are you to see college basketball coming back in November? As a basketball fan, Spence, I cannot wait. Gosh, it's going to be so much fun. I'm ready for all these players to get back out on the court and get to hoping it's going to be, it's going to be great. Yeah, it will. I mean, and part of the reason I think the date was like trying to find out is because of, like, at least for our school, Dalton, is that we'll be done with classes by Thanksgiving with the only finals to go with afterwards. They were trying to figure out, like, when campuses would be done with school and, like, so they wouldn't have, like, to conflict with classes and finals, at least for this semester. We know next semester will be a different story. But, Christian, what are your thoughts on college basketball making the go on November 25th? Yeah, it's a lot later than, you know, we thought. But usually, usually that's how it goes, like, you know, end of October, around Halloween time, early November, you get to see the top four teams usually play Michigan State, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, all those games. Oh, yeah, the Champions Classic. Champions Classic, the top – basically it is the top four teams in the nation square off. Um, I can't wait. You know, that was a huge blow for the world. You know, the entire world shut down, and it was sad to see March Madness fall in – you know, because I was originally thinking, like, if there's just no fans at all, just the players, the coaches, and just, like, the essential, you know, people who have to work the uh, stadiums, if that's all the people they can do it and we can still have it going, I want to keep on going. So I just can't wait for college basketball because, to me, that 
that's where we all kind of – well, March Madness is really where we all start paying attention. But us sports fans, first day of uh, any sport, college or pro, we always watch it. So I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, I'm down. I'll watch any game you put in front of me. It could be like two sub, sub like really low D1 level schools, and I'll just watch it then like on a Tuesday night, just have it on the background at least. So, like, I don't care. Just give me basketball. Because I remember where I was. I was in my house watching TV and like, like, because we were home from school that day because they just canceled it before. And I'm just like watching there on ESPN, they're interviewing Mark Few from Gonzaga, and I believe it was Reese Davis. He's like, Look, I just got it in my ear. We've, in some ways, just now they're canceling March Madness. And that was just a shock. It was like, like rumored they were going to postpone it. And then to full-on cancel it seemed like an overreaction at the time. But, like, in hindsight, it was definitely the right call to make, unfortunately, as it was for those student-athletes. But I'm just excited we get college basketball. So it's going to be a fun year. No clue what to look out for because I, at the moment, I don't think anybody has opted out for basketball. That could possibly happen, and basketball is a different sport because you only need one year removed, whereas football you need three years removed from high school. So that basketball is the official start is November twenty fifth, and then before we dive into our ad break, I want to go actually not the ad break quite yet, but I want to talk about the MLB bubble situation that they've announced, where for the first round they will be played in the stadiums that is the higher seeded teams. And then they will proceed to a week-long bubble where there's four locations and they're playing in a, a neutral site environment where basically as long as the series needs to go. So for the divisional series, it's five games. Championship series, seven games. World series, seven games. World series is slated to be played at a Globe Life Field in Arlington, home of the Texas Rangers, who they have been far and away one of the worst teams. So they have no shot at being a neutral site host to say, but it could be, it's going to be interesting to see them because they would play nonstop, no travel in the middle of a series, which would be good for the players. So I'll start with Christian. You like baseball. So what's your thoughts on this bubble situation? How do you think this could work? I mean, honestly, when, you know, the MLPA and the players were kind of discussing like, how are we going to fix the season? I was telling you all that I think what MLB should do for the NL and for the AL is do one, you know, do a bubble for each, kind of like what the NBA is doing. And for the NBA, it's been working out pretty well for them. And then, of course, you know, they're going to play uh, the World Series at Globe Life Field, which and they hoping there will be some fans in attendance because that's actually – starting or actually the season should end on my birthday october 28th so that would be interesting to see game seven on my birthday that would be oh, awesome yeah that would be Cincinnati probably won't make it but you know i gotta i gotta give what i do oh no they almost they they're like on the cusp of making the playoffs they're right like, now yeah they're like oh they could make it but they I could don't. but it's gonna i mean they have definitely underachieved but yeah, i'm just excited definitely. that i mean i don't know why they didn't do it sooner maybe it was logistical reasons but I saw like the reason Globe Life can be accommodating is because it's the new it's the newest stadium. It was their first year, which kind of sucks to have no fans. It has a retractable roof, which is a plus, so they don't need to have delays with like weather or anything. Mm-hmm. And then I think I saw somewhere that it has like other hotels attached or like very close to the stadium, very like, close, like in the very like in house the players. So it's gonna be interesting. Dawn, what are your thoughts on the MLB's bubble attempt? 
I think it's great. Uh, I think it'll have the same amount of success that the NBA bubble had. Um, just need to get the traveling and everything situated, and you should, you all should be good to go. Yeah, I was kind of surprised they didn't just make it one location, but I guess with uh, like cleaning the stadiums between games might be a tedious process. And also, like, I'm assuming they want the games played like sometime at night, especially if there's a West Coast team involved. They want that to be as late as possible for the audience out there. But I'm just excited to see how it works. And obviously, with it being a neutral site that players aren't too familiar with necessarily, it could be interesting location. In other news, NHL, I'm just going to briefly go over this because I know you guys don't follow hockey that closely. The uh, Dallas Stars defeat the Vegas Golden Knights to advance to the Stanley Cup Finals. And as of recording this podcast, the Tampa Bay Lightning are up three games to two on the Islanders with the Islanders winning yesterday. That series, obviously best of seven, so Lightning did win one more, Islanders two wins. Winner will face the Dallas Stars in the Stanley Cup Finals. So that game six is scheduled for Thursday night. I don't know the exact time. And then also the NBA of note, the playoffs, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals started yesterday with, I got to tip my hat off, Christian's a Heat fan, and they beat oh my, my Celtics, so... Bam out of bio had a clutch block on Tatum late in the overtime period that sealed the deal. Heat take game one. And then out west, we have the Denver Nuggets shockingly coming back from a 3-1 lead over the Clippers. Or 3-1 deficit, excuse me, to the Clippers. The second straight series are down 3-1 to Utah. Denver's a team that, I, I mean, I, get, I gave them credit. I'm like, they're a good team. But I didn't see them being like a great team and making it this far because they were the two seed just a year ago. And I thought Mike Malone was coach of the year, at least in my opinion. At least he had a strong case for it. Denver's, they got, I mean, they've arrived. Same with Miami. They are a tough team. Both teams, Miami and Denver, the, is the talent really there? Probably not. But I man, mean, the Joker is a very team. good player. They, I mean, they all do. They have, you know, Jokic, Jamal. <laughs> Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler, of course, Bam's coming up. You know, Kendrick Nunn, who was an all-first-team NBA rookie, you know, he he's really coming out. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, they're all young. And you give them a couple more years, these are going to be the top, probably the top teams in the NBA. These are the fe- – the future is now. Dalton, what are your thoughts on uh, – let's start with – I'll start with Miami Heat taking game one. I'm not too surprised with that because – I mean, I thought I knew Miami would take a couple games at least. I mean, it could easily go set to go the distance. So, but Dalton, what were your thoughts on game one last night? I thought that it was a very, very good game. Obviously, it went to uh, one single overtime. Um, you know, Miami just got the better of the Boston team after Tice fouled out. Uh, it was a great block by Bam at the very end. Uh, I feel like, I feel like, Bam's block just sums up what this Miami team is. Like, they're rough, tough, laying it down for one another. Uh, And I wouldn't be surprised if they win this series, even though I have Boston winning it. Yeah. And I don't want to use – I don't like when I see this on sports talk shows where they use hyperbole, like, oh, this is the uh, biggest choke job ever. I hate the phrase, like, of all time or ever at the end of a sentence because – like really, you're gonna use hyperbole after some in the moment, but the Clippers, uh, the that team this year 
had one of the, I always like to say like one of the, like that's how I like to phrase stuff. One of the biggest underachievements that I've seen, at least in the last 10 years, because they went all out last offseason to get Kawhi Leonard, trade all these picks and uh, young prospects to get PG from OKC. And then you finish two, which obviously no slouch because Lakers went out and got AD. But then to blow a 3-1 lead, and Kawhi and PG have one year left on their contract that ex- before it expires. But that team just had such an underachievement to it. I mean, Don, like, how do you – I don't know who you blame because, I mean, is it Doc Rivers coaching the players? That has a good defensive team. I don't know. They just didn't show up the last three games. I don't know who the blame goes to, but that team just underachieved so much. Um, well, I'm going to take this back to when I was a young buck. I was playing basketball, and coaches would always say, you win as a team, you lose as a team, and that goes for all sports. And this is honestly from top to bottom, coaching staff and the players, that's the stars, the whole nine yards, they just didn't do their job. Yeah. All right, they weren't consistent enough. They blew the lead. Like, you had a 3-1 lead, and you couldn't win it in, 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 in five. And credit to the Nuggets for coming back and winning in seven games. They're a tough team. But, yeah, the Clippers, I don't know if you give the blame towards one specific person or two specific people or the coaching staff only or just the players, but it's it's as a team they did not accomplish their job. And maybe yeah. it was probably the, one of the most overhyped stories of the NBA season, uh, like people that – hyped this team up so much myself included oh yeah i'm just because i thought that because i thought that Kawhi and pg were gonna go off and they had a great bench and good starting lineup and coaches and yada 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 yada. i thought that them and the lakers were gonna be the the teams in the uh western conference finals but now we know that that's not gonna happen so yeah honestly i think it's it's just they need to really look themselves in the mirror and uh come up with a better plan for next year. And I really think that the, the uh, Clippers will be back at it next year. I think that this is a good motivator and really a uh, a good thing to happen to them, I think. I mean, I think it just depends on the roster, like how it gets constructed. I mean, if you guys that are listening out there heard a few podcasts ago, I did exclaim that I thought the Clippers were going to be the NBA champions this year. So jokes on me. You can clown me all day long now. I'll take full responsibility and I'll take – I accept that I was wrong, unlike some people out there who just say something stupid. It's like, oh, I'm not going to own up to this. I own up to that. I was wrong on the Clippers. And, yo, I'll, I'll say that in a little bit when we talk about NFL. Yeah, like, I was totally wrong on that. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, Doc Rivers does what every good coach does, and he takes the blame in, in his post-game press. I was like, hey, that's on me. Like, I didn't do my job. Because, I mean, I think every good coach <laughs> – they realize that, hey, it's on them because they're the head coach of a team for a reason. They make the play calls. I mean, obviously you can chalk up poor, poor shooting, but I don't know because, like, Montrez Harrell, his, he's a free agent to be. Marcus Morris is a free agent to be. He was mid, mid-season acquisition. Lou Will could potentially be traded. Maybe they decide to move on from PG or Kawhi, which I don't think that will happen, but, like, who knows, like, where the, what the Clippers decide to do with management. I mean, yeah, yeah, Spence. I think honestly, this is. They thought that this was going to work out, and they put all their chips in the middle of the table. Yeah, 
and it just backfired. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I seriously think that, you know, the Clippers, they were more focused in on playing the Lakers instead of playing who was in front of them. You know, I like a lot of people are going to say Milwaukee, like in game one of, you know, the very first game of the NBA playoffs, Bucks and Magic. And what happens, I think the Bucks were really looking forward to, you know, opponent two or opponent three of the finals, and they didn't take Orlando seriously. Obviously, Milwaukee took the series in five, but Milwaukee, you know, like the Clippers, they were just looking ahead. They were not looking at the team they were playing. They saw that 3-1 lead, like, okay, we can we can take a game off. We can take this game off. No, when, and now all of a sudden you're in the game seven, and you're getting beat by 20 against Denver who a lot of people did not think was going to be this far into the playoffs. I was just to say yeah. that my my career a couple of years ago was on Denver, and I won a championship with them. So it has been done. It's good. But, like, I, I don't usually bring up my, like, play my uh, 2K career, but I was on Denver once and I won a championship. So I somewhat like the Denver Nuggets team. And obviously I hate the Lakers, so I hope Denver does win this series. Although I think it's going to be Lakers in, like, five probably. Yeah, and honestly, let's just put on the record that Denver is a good basketball team, obviously. I mean, their coaching staff, their players, I mean, they're deep. Like, their roster is pretty deep. Yeah. Probably just as and deep they got as the some Clippers young guys. They got, like, Bull Bull. I don't think he's played much this playoffs. He could be really special in a year or two. And Michael Porter Jr., you know, he's been kind of hot and cold, but when he's hot, man, he could probably be the best yeah. player on the floor, really. Yeah. I mean, that series. I mean, I, I like I said, I'm predicting Lakers on five, but Denver's no slouch. And, like, obviously, like, Miami, like, Bam out of bio, Kendrick Nunn. Like, but the thing about the Miami Celtics series is watch out because today the uh, Celtics upgraded Gordon Hayward from completely out to doubtful. I am going to predict right here that I think Gordon Hayward is at least questionable for game three. And he'll be playing by game four at the latest. Like, Gordon Hayward's. Gordon Hayward is coming back soon. And I think it's a huge gift for the Celtics because he's like he's the fourth option, but he averaged 17 the regular season. And you don't see a lot of fourth guys do that. And when Hayward comes back in the lineup, have Marcus Smart come off the bench, give the bench unit a great spark. So it's gonna be I'm just saying watch out, Christian, because Gordon Hayward's coming back. Oh no, my with Miami, like I'm so proud of where they were. You know, we, we've had struggles the last several years. I mean, mm. the team, even though Dwayne Wade did the best he could, Miami just never got over the hump. This is the first time we've been anywhere further than the divisional, you know, the second round. Yeah. I mean, like, holy crap, they have taken the league by storm. Yeah, like, I mean, well, you like, had... can't say, like, oh, when Gordon comes back, up, oh, the series is over. And, you I'm know, not no saying it's over. Anymore. I'm saying watch out, man. No, I, I know. I'm, you know. We're watching now. Like every single time, if they get swept in four games, I'll hate that. But like I said, if it's a you know if it's close games every single game, you know down to the wire, overtime, something like that. Hey, I'm good if we lose. Honestly, yeah. I I just enjoy it because I mean, y'all hear me with Casey, and then out with you, Chris. I'm gonna talk as much smack as I can. I expect you to do the same thing back. This is how friends go. So <laughs> I mean, we can talk smack all we want, but like yeah. Miami, well, Toronto, and Boston. Those are, you know, two of the top teams in the East. Yeah. Miami, everybody was saying, man, with Jimmy Butler, Miami is going to compete for the eighth seed, maybe the seventh seed at best. 
now we're all of a sudden in the Eastern Conference Finals. We're three games away from reaching the finals. Man, all all you sports analysts thinking, oh, this is going to be great. This like, is the craziest oh, year we've is, seen in a while. The toughest team in the league. You can't really deny it. I mean, I, you know how I feel about Jay Crowder. I love Jay Crowder from his time in Boston, but I mean, yeah, this go this, on, uh, Heat team is. Uh, let's put all the championships aside. It reminds me of the 2006 Heat team with Dwayne Wayne. And Shaq. And Shaq. Man, that was a team. Uh, because there's one sole star. Well, actually, in 2006, it was, like, one sole star. And then, like, Shaq at the very end of his career. But anyway, so Jimmy Butler's the sole star. And then you have the big who's dominating the paint. And then just a bunch of shooters. And both players are all, They're them. all young shooters, And they're too. all super young. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you can go ahead, Spence. I mean – I mean, that's about all I had to say about this series. It's game three, game two of the series is scheduled for Friday. So, uh, no, that's tomorrow. Thursday. Game tomorrow. Thursday. Game one, game one is Friday. Friday. I apologize. I, I don't want to mislead the audience. Man, I'm beating. I'm beating the host in all this. My gosh. Gosh, I just misspoke for a second. Gosh. Anyway, it's time for an ad break. After that, I can't live up this embarrassment. <laughs> so we're gonna take a quick ad break and then get back to the NFL, which is I'm pretty sure what everyone is tuning in and listen to at this point. From the ad break, as always, thanks to Anchor for sponsoring this podcast. And anyway, the NFL came back last week, and it was a very good week, I honestly had to say. I mean, some of the games were, like, they were blowouts, but that's what you're going to get. But also, some came down to the very end, like the Bengals game, Bengals-Chargers, came down to a missed field goal at the very end. Then you had Sunday night, you had the Rams edging the Cowboys out on a OPI call that pushed Dallas back farther than they had to be for the end. David Ramsey deserves an Oscar after that. <laughs> we can debate that all day if we wanted to. But I'm just happy we got it back. Like, my – I mean, obviously you guys know I'm a Patriots fan, so I was happy to see Cam Newton rushing the ball really well. I mean, but, and, you know, I mean I'm just trying to think, like, who I thought the best performance goes to. I mean, Gardner Minshew, how do you overlook that performance? He had 19 of 20, very efficient. Yeah, you can look at, oh, you only had 173 yards passing the ball, but 19 of 20 is very efficient, 95% completion percentage. And he had three touchdown passes. But, I mean, I, was, I don't want to have all the spotlight. Dalton, what were your biggest takeaways from the NFL week one? That Ron Rivera it, with, with this Washington football team makes a big difference. Ain't it funny how coaching – can make a huge difference, like, like, like a huge difference for a team. Jay Groom's huh? awful. Yeah. Jay Groom was like, terrible for his team. Literally, Ron Rivera just covers up so many things that are wrong with this football team. Not to mention, the man took an IV at halftime. Yeah, because, that was you know, awesome. He is battling lymphoma for those of you that yeah, are aware. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, But yeah, that's 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 my first takeaway. My second takeaway is, like you mentioned with Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew winning against the Colts in Philip Rivers' debut. Um, and my third takeaway was that the Ravens and the Chiefs are still dominant and have picked up right where they left off before uh, in, their, in the Ravens' dominating win against the Browns and then the Chiefs winning on Thursday night. Yeah, Christian, what are your big takeaways from uh, week one in the NFL? Well, my first main takeaway is – I was wrong. I was really wrong with uh, Tampa 
I was wrong with Green Bay. Uh, I am sorry, Green Bay fans. I it's not like I betrayed them last week, saying you know Minnesota's going to do this, Minnesota's going to do Gosh, that. This week one, stop overreacting. <laughs> one, but man, I was kind of embarrassed last week because I'm like, oh, this you know this will happen and this will happen. But this was kind of you know kind of like a preseason week one where everyone's in, you know, on a new team and they're trying to get everything going. So it's you know don't overreact on week one, but. You can't just not react over what happened. Yeah, I mean. The second big takeaway I have is it seems like right now none of the teams that we think are going to be top five in the draft, Jacksonville, Washington, Carolina, man, well, Carolina did a lose. Man, they're playing. They're playing. You know, Washington was down 17 nothing. Their defensive run all of a sudden just snapped it. Chase Young and – um. I, I forget who it was. Was it in Adonis, maybe? Or Kerrigan, Ryan Kerrigan. Yeah. He was dominating on that defensive front and, you know, and winning the game 27 17 against them. Jacksonville, like you said, you know, they were favored to be the number one overall pick because, you know, Garden Menchu, he's not the quarterback he should be. He was a six round pick. He was a six-round pick out of Washington State. The only reason, you know, he was kind of a story, you know. He was an interesting story in the NFL. And it's like, okay, you know, he'll have his one season and then Trevor Lawrence will come in. Uh, all of a sudden, Jacksonville may not have the number one over pick. We'll see what happens there. And my third takeaway is football's back. Football's I mean, back. you know, football's back. It's, you know, a crazy time in this world. We all know what's going on with – you know, political differences and coronavirus and everything, you know, sports, I think all three of us can agree that is kind of our little safe place, you know, take a break. It's a unit. It's a unifier for sure. It is. You know, take a break from the world, take a break from (laughs) our differences and our fights and arguments and everything. And just like, it's entertaining, but just grown men just hit each other constantly you know, is is it just a you know? It's a reliever. It's a pain reliever. Yeah. So, NFL's back, and I can't wait for week two. Yeah, I mean, it was a, the only thing. I the only bad thing I have to say is it, it looks so weird in the NFL having no fans. Like NBA, they can get away with it because I mean, you don't usually see. The, I mean, the way that the NBA arena is set up in Disney World is they they have the screen with uh, the virtual fans. Even then, it's not really that much of a tear. Baseball looks really weird when you see like a fly ball or whatever, and there's nobody in the stands. Or the MLB, Football. The, MLB the game, like cartoon fans. Yeah, yeah like I mean, the, seeing the uh, posters or whatever. Oh my god! Football just looks so weird, like you because when they punt the ball, they obviously you see the whole stadium and you see no one in there. That's like that's such a weird look, and I understand like why they had to do it in like certain locations, like especially California. Like there was rumors they made it to. Like postpone a couple games because it's like the like air quality over there is really bad, especially like in San Francisco, which is an outdoor stadium. Mm-hmm. But okay, Dawn, I want to get your thoughts on uh, we you all saw the pictures of SoFi. But how awesome does it look to see a game being played in SoFi? Dude, I was so excited <laughs> watching the game. I looked at the outside of it and I was like, I gotta go there when everything is like all well and fine again. It yeah. is a beautiful stadium. And beautiful. I will say, oh, go ahead. It's your team. I'm sure to interrupt. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, gonna, Stan Kroenke oh. had $5 million and he put it to something <laughs> useful, I guess. 
I mean, it is it is a masterpiece. Like honestly, if it honestly if it was like any bigger, it'd be part of the one of the seven wonders of the world, I guess. Like yeah. it's that big, apparently. That's hmm. uh, I heard it is like very similar into like a AT and T in Arlington, home of the Cowboys. And Mercedes and I heard Benz. That, yeah, yeah. I heard like Jerry Jones had like a play like yes, like the scoreboard looks very similar to what it's like AT yeah. from what I've heard. So yeah, they, they they were saying they were talking all about it on Sunday Night Football. Oh, without Jerry, none of it would have happened. Jerry Jones was probably the sole. The sole guy besides Stan, who is really pushing to move the team from St. Louis to Los Angeles and build the stadium over in um, uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so nice not to share staying with USC, though. Yeah, I mean, like the Coliseum is a it's a good place, but like NFL is just. Yeah, oh, no, it's much better for a college environment. I mean, honestly, I'm not really, I'm not really too big of a fan <laughs> in sharing a stadium anyway. I like to have like my own soul, soul stadium. But you know, sharing a stadium with another with another team is seems like the California way. So, oh yeah, because yeah, Lakers and Clippers do it. So and also, I mean, the Staples has Lakers, Clippers, L.A. Kings hockey, the L.A. Sparks play there, I believe. So it's hosting everything. Also of note, there was only like one major injury that I saw at least, and that was Marlon Mack from the Colts, who tore his Achilles early on. And it's gonna the big takeaway for me is it sucks for the Colts, but Jonathan Taylor is going to be go. Hey, he's got to he's going to step up. He's next man up mentality instead of being a like two horse two headed horseman on the backfield. Then you got to have a just Jonathan Taylor pounding it so christian you were the first one to bring it up to us so what are your thoughts on marlon mack getting injured tears achilles obviously hope for the best recovery yeah i hope how big of a blow is it to indianapolis i think it's the biggest blow to them uh the colts you know we kind of see them as the little bit of a favorite in the afc uh south just because houston you know you can't you cannot deny deshaun watson but losing deandre hopkins and we'll talk about the texans in a little bit them losing DeAndre Hopkins was huge. Like, that entire offense just looks a little bit different. It doesn't look the same. So I think that's going to be the same exact thing for the Colts is, you know, Jonathan Taylor, he'll still be a really good back for Colts, and, you know, he'll have a couple games where he's over 100 probably. That entire offensive line is monstrous with Quentin Nelson leading the charge. You know, they're going to be, they're going to be okay. But I think in the end, it may hurt them with only having real, really one good back in the backfield. And Phillip Rivers, he's, what, 38, 39? Yeah, he's entering year 18 of his career or year 17. Yeah, can he be the real gunslinger that he was in L.A.? I just don't know. He didn't – like, he kind of showed it. He still had 350 yards against Jacksonville. But losing that back, it's going to hurt him, and – there's going to be a lot of losses like the Jacksonville loss where it's like a one-score difference. So it's probably going to hurt him for the long run in this season. Yeah, Dawn, how big of a blow do you see Marlon Mack being for the Colts? Absolutely huge loss. I thought for sure Marlon Mack was going to eclipse 1,000 yards this year behind that Colts offensive line, which is top tier. Uh, but, yeah, huge loss. Jonathan Taylor, like you said earlier, is probably going to have that next man up mentality. Can't forget about Hines, though. He had a touchdown last week. 
And I'm sure that Frank Wright's going to go with those two backs and just make the most of it. Um, but, yeah, I still expect the Colts to be a good football team, though. Yeah, and, I mean, Christian Tagless briefly, so I'm going to bring this up, is that uh, Phillip Rivers, obviously his first game didn't look the best. Also, Tom Brady, first game in a new state, in a new uh, team with Tampa Bay, he didn't look very impressive either against uh, the Saints in game one with the Buccaneers. So, I mean, two quarterbacks who kind of got comfortable where they were, and now, I mean, it's only one game, so I don't want to overreact too much, but, at least for week two, how are these guys going to bounce back? Colts play a Minnesota Vikings team with a defense led by Yannick Ngakwe. And then the Buccaneers, they face uh, – give me a second. Uh, they face the Carolina Panthers, another division team. So, Tom versus Teddy. And so, how are they going to fare in their second game with their team? That is what I'll base more on because we've seen several times in the past where teams lose, like, start 0-2. And they still turn it around and make the playoffs. But one loss can be the difference between making the playoffs and not. So that's what I want to look forward to is how these guys can bounce back from a poorish game one performance. Dawn, what are you looking forward to in week two of the NFL? I'm looking forward to Tom Brady bouncing back in Carolina. Um, like you said earlier, the Minnesota the Minnesota game, uh, the Colts are playing oh, the, the Colts. Yes, yes, I'm looking for that one as well. Um, Vikings didn't really have a good game last week against the uh, Packers, but, you know, we'll see. I'm also looking at the Washington football team and the Cardinals playing this week. Um, that should, that, So I know that the spread is seven uh, points right now in favor of the Cardinals, but low-key – this is probably going to be one of the games to watch this weekend. Um, I think after – I know this might be, like, a huge, huge, huge overreaction. But I think this Washington's defense front seven is, like, scary. Like, scary good. Like, Chase this, Young especially. Like, this is – this is, like, they had eight sacks against Philly's – like, against against Philly last week. And Philly was missing – like two offensive linemen because they're so injury riddled. Um, very, very sad. But anyway, they had eight sacks last week and they were absolutely punishing Carson Wentz. Um, and honestly, if you want my take, I think that the Cardinals offensive line is maybe just a little bit better than Phillies and they're at full health. So I can only imagine what's going to happen to them this week. Um, and then I'm also looking at the Seahawks and the Patriots. That should be a good game as well. Uh, one of the tougher games to predict this week, Spence. I don't know where you're coming up with yeah, these I mean, tough we'll predictions. Yeah, we'll but preview that game in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that a little bit later. Um, uh, but, yeah, and then I can't forget about the Cowboys and the Falcons. I know, I know, guys, I don't usually like to talk about the Cowboys this much, but uh, – I really, really like to see what happens with uh, Todd Gurley and Matt Ryan and those weapons getting trying to tr- trying to get back on track this week uh, against against the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much all I got. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, thanks, uh, Christian. Anything you're looking forward to in week two of the NFL before we do our predictions? Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to see how a lot of teams can bounce back. You know, like uh, Dalton just ended, you know, Dallas 
you can't really deny like if you look on paper from you know quarterback to safety, Dallas has one of the better rosters in the NFL. They just do. And the fact that, you know, they kind of wasted an opportunity, you know, the Rams did win, you know, congratulations to them. But the Rams didn't really, you know, they're not the same powerhouse they were a couple of years ago. Dallas has the weapons to be the most dominant team. They have three great, not great, but really talented receivers in CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup. You know, Dak Prescott, he, he's no Aaron Rodgers. He's still a decent quarterback that a lot of teams would want right now. Ezekiel Elliott is probably, you know, many, many can argue, best running back in the league, but he's definitely top five. Offensive line, it is getting older, but still very solid. Like, they should, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, when, when their best defensive player hasn't played in five years, something's not clicking, you know. Alden Smith, credit to him, five years out of the league, all of a sudden back to where he left off. And the fact that he's still probably the best, you know, defensive player, you know, how is going to step up against Atlanta? Uh, Washington football team, can they carry on, you know, to take on Arizona? That defensive front, I mean, you got Ryan Kerrigan, young Chase Young, Matthew and Adonis, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen. You got a loaded defensive front. So how are they going to play against Arizona? I think they may be better against Arizona, you know, going after a little Kyler Murray. And can – and the last one, can Aaron Rodgers have another – probably not the same repeat, but can they, you know, when he plays Detroit – can he still be that gunslinger, even though Jordan Love, the first, you know, the first draft pick Green Bay had, which as a fan was not a fan of of the Jordan Love pickup. So Aaron Rodgers, he, you know, he he's got a target on his back because any day he has a bad game, Jordan Love may get switched in. So I'm hoping to see Aaron Rodgers be the gunslinger that he is, and you know, how will he fare against Detroit? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot to look forward to. So hopefully we get a lot more good games, and we'll be back again next Wednesday to talk about all these games. But before we end the show, we want to do a favorite segment with predictions. So just updating you on the standings. Week one, we had one person go with a perfect 4-0 of the four games we picked, and that was Dalton. Congratulations, Dalton, going 4-0. Thank you, thank you. I did have a, a good weekend, and uh... – I know, I know, I know, guys. I was a bit, I was a bit, I was a bit harsh after Sunday night, but like Spencey texted out, I do keep receipts, and you know, I you, you won by I am won by a three shopper. One game, I wouldn't talk too much. I, I'm, hey. not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk. <laughs> All you gotta do is win I, the game to get the point. I'm just <laughs> saying, a win is a win, and Spencey said I do keep receipts. I do that in real life, and I do it when it comes to NFL predictions. So. Yeah. Uh, but thank you, thank you. Yeah. I, uh, hopefully, we can keep it up this week. And uh, you know, if I was being a bit of a uh, meanie, uh, we'll we'll keep it for the <laughs> you uh, deserve it, PG though, for, viewers for the uh, for the uh, PG viewers. Um, oh, I I do I do I do uh, 
am sorry for that. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. Casey and I split with two and two, and then Christian unfortunately only got the one game, which we all called was Chiefs Texas. We all predicted the Chiefs win. So, I, well, the only thing I really got to say is, of course, it's week one. But one of my predictions, I did think Dallas was going to blow out L.A. Dallas, and like I said, I didn't think they were going to win in division, the, the NFC lease, as it should be called now. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think they were going to win just because, you know, they always find a way to lose. They are the perfect team in the NFL with all the talent but none of the gore, and they just screw up every game. So, don't you got – you know, your Rams got lucky, I'll just say, but – I'll take the L for Minnesota, Tampa, because I thought, you know, Tampa Bay will, you know, will emerge. And I thought so Dallas, too. I could have just chose LA because I didn't think Dallas was going to be good enough. But yeah, know. I mean, <laughs> you can call it luck, but Spencer, I mean, Christian, you're a football fan. When full and arm is extended, all of them except one wrong. I'll, I'll admit. Yeah, you you're know. good. No, I think full arm extension I is OPI. I, I think I didn't choose Houston because that would have been embarrassing. Gosh, that would have been, been embarrassing. Horrible. Anyway, <laughs> back to our uh, segment with predictions. The first game on the docket, Thursday night football this week. I, I will maybe opt out later on with uh, Thursday night games, but for in like early season because the teams are pretty close at least. I'll do all the three primes in the afternoon games. So Thursday night football, we have the – Cincinnati Bengals, who dropped a heartbreak game to the Chargers, as I said earlier, missed their field goal. Randy Bullock, now the most hated man since he. Taking on Ohio rival, the Cleveland Browns, who got destroyed by uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. So both teams 0-1. Both teams starting former number one overall picks, the Bengals' Joe Burrow from the past year. Browns' Baker Mayfield from a few years back. So battle for Ohio, I believe there's no fans in attendance again so should be an interesting battle i am going to side with the browns on the simple fact that i think that just baker being in the league a few years more than joe burrow and he's i mean joe burrow won a championship in college baker i mean they both won the heisman in college so they're both really good players but i think the weapons like uh you have jarvis landry you have odell beckham i think that's going to play a big factor for the Cleveland Browns. I think they will emerge victorious, although A.J. Green is no slouch. I just think that Baker, even though love him or hate him, I think just having the experience is going to play a big factor. And, unfortunately, Joe Burrow is going to wait another week to get his first win. That's just my opinion right now. Dalton, I'll throw it to you for your prediction on this game. Um, I'm going to have to go with the Browns, and here's why I say the Browns. The Browns and the Bengals are both good rosters. But the Browns have a slightly better roster. Right? Their corners, uh, Grant, uh, excuse me, uh, didn't. Jabril Peppers is still in their secondary. Denzel Ward. All right. Uh, their defensive front, Miles Garrett and a bunch of other people that I don't know. Quite frankly, off the top of my head, I don't follow Cleveland. Yeah, I don't think anyone And then uh, Cleveland's offensive line, sure, they got smoked against Baltimore. They lost by 32 points. But the offensive line isn't terrible. It's not completely garbage. 
Nick Chubb is a beast. Kareem Hunt's a beast. And then Baker Mayfield, when he's hot, then he's hot. He's a good player. Um, honestly, I don't think Cleveland's going to lose by 32 points again. The Baltimore is just on a whole other level compared to all the other to, to compared to like all the other uh, teams besides the Chiefs and like maybe a couple others. Yeah, I think it'll so probably gonna, be a one score yeah, game. Right, I think I think it'll probably be really really close. Uh, Joe Burrow is he he leads that team and uh, the the uh, Bengals of course and I don't know I I I I feel like honestly on like the offensive side especially up to the first game I feel like he just he covers up a bunch of holes that Cincinnati has especially after the first game it might be like a complete overreaction but that's yeah. just what I saw from watching the highlights and watching the game I uh, mean, Joe yeah. Burrow led them down the field at the very end. The kicker just missed a field goal, but like, they wouldn't be in a situation without Joe Burrow passing. Exactly. And exactly. also, A.J. Green got called for OPI in the end zone on a touchdown pass. But that's neither here nor there. Right. Uh, so, I think, honestly, without Cincinnati's mishaps, Joe Burrow would have got his first win yesterday. And um, that would have been the first since David Carr did it with the Texans. Oh, but anyway, one pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm going to take uh, Cleveland to win this game in a, in a uh, close one. Christian, what's your prediction for this game? So, something that we're not talking about, you know, we're talking about Baker, we're talking about Joe Burrow. I want to mention something about the running game. So, Joe, oh, Mix- yeah. Joe Mixon had 19 carries for 69 yards, 3.6 average. It's okay. They still had 122 rushing yards. And the Browns, they threw the ball 39 times, but their top guys only ran it 23. Like, when Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb have the ball, they you can argue they're, like, you know, that's probably the best running back group because there was, you know, when Kareem was in Kansas City, nobody could stop him. Nobody. And Nick Chubb is just a thumper. So, really, what I believe it's going to rely on the running game. And because they have a two-headed monster in Cleveland, I'm going to give them a slight edge. And I think, like, don't mention its experience. You know, Baker Mayfield has more commercials than Wynn. He just does. And, you know, he's talented. He's obviously in the NFL. He he does pretty well. But I think he's a little bit overhyped. But I think because he's playing Cincinnati, Joe Burrow's second game, him trying to really find his groove in the NFL game. I think Cleveland wins maybe by a score at most, you know, 10 points. But I think Cleveland's going to take it, and it's going to be, like Golden said, a close one. I'm glad that you came over to our side, Christian, because I'm pretty sure yesterday you were going <laughs> to pick Cincinnati. So. I mean, Casey, Casey had the Bengals in his prediction. So, hey. well, the one thing was this, and I did change my opinion. I did. Change I mean, you has, as long as he has them in play, you can change your opinion until kickoff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. True, but the only like all the games we're talking about, we all kind of have a similar mindset on who we think is going to win this game, which nobody thinks was, you know. It's a game you can you can probably skip because they're not going to be competing in the Super Bowl. In you know a lot of our opinions, they're not going to be huge competitors in this season. But it's like you're you're really having a rotten apple and a rotten banana. Which one do you really eat? Which one was yeah. best for you? And, <laughs> hey, it's you know, a football gonna game. It's a, a football game. I'm going to be watching it. The rotten Bengals right now. Dude, honestly, now that you mentioned the fruit, I want to know which one's the rotten banana. 
because they're both horrible. Which they're one's the rotten? Horrible. Which, one, which one's like the rotten apple? One, if you have to eat one of those mossy green things, oh, which God. one are you going to eat? I mean, honestly, now that we're on the topic of fruit for a oh, quick my. second, I, I'm sorry, Spitz, I have to do this. I mean, <laughs> we're comparing apples and oranges now. The, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I mean, just think about it. Just think about it. Cleveland, Cleveland is the less dysfunctional team compared to Cincinnati. I said less. I said less dysfunctional. Okay, fair enough. Less dysfunctional. They're both dysfunctional franchises, but we spent way too much time on this matchup than I thought we would. Up to date, is the less is the less dysfunctional franchise compared to Cincinnati. From top to bottom, and I mean, honestly, ugh, God, Spence, I don't know why you had to pick this matchup in the first place. It's I one of the tougher ones cha- for Tit. I only picked it because it was Thursday night. I said you could change it. You guys didn't want to change. That's a good it, point. So with it. I mean, so, honestly, can we go ahead and add one at the very end to make up for it? Jaguars. No. I mean, we might talk about that because of Minshew. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You uh, know what? Next week, if we get a dud of a Thursday night game, feel free to send me your thoughts on what we should predict beforehand. So I'm open to right. changing it. But anyway. Enough talk about Cincinnati and uh, Cleveland. I don't want to talk about Ohio any more than I have to. No, for another sure. Game, Ohio is very bad. Yeah. Another game that I think will probably be a consensus on is uh, I just picked it because, you know, of the afternoon games, it seemed like the, at least initially, the best matchup of the two teams. Like, I mean, it was not like that big of a difference, but the uh, Texas and the Ravens, you have Lamar, Deshaun. We all know how that went in college versus when they were in. Louisville and Clemson. So they got – and everything they face off the NFL is always going to be a good battle. So, but I mean, for me, I think it just comes down to the Ravens team is just far and away a Super Bowl contender. And the Texans blew it all up last year and gave away D-Hop. Even though David Johnson looked really good for them game one. And, you know, Cooks was no slouch. I just think that, you know, Lamar and the Ravens are just a far and away the better team. And I think – Talent is going to win you more games than it will lose you. So, I think Baltimore is just going to – I don't know. I can see it being a two-score game, honestly. I think it's going to be a cakewalk for them. Christian, what are your thoughts on Texans and the Ravens? So, if – so, say Houston doesn't blow it up. Say Houston does not blow it up. You know, they have Duke Johnson at the backfield instead of David Johnson, and they have D-Hop. This is game of the week. This is a game that I think is seriously going to be – you know, a three-point game, a, a touchdown game. I think it's going to be the closest game it can be going on, go either way. But I just see Baltimore, like you said, Spencer, on a different level. Them and Kansas City, I think those are the top two teams in the AFC. Can a team like Pittsburgh, maybe Houston with Deshaun Watson compete? Yeah, maybe, but Baltimore and Kansas City are on different levels. And, you know, you mentioned college. You mentioned college. You know, Deshaun Watson – was on Clemson. Lamar Jackson was in Louisville. I mean, two good teams at the time. Lamar carried that team. You know, we can are you know we can agree to disagree on that. Yeah. Lamar carried Louisville for the you know 95% of the time. Clemson had a five-star running back, five-star receiver, five-star offensive line, five-star defense. They they're the Alabama of the ACC. Like they're gonna have the cream of the crop, you know, athletes and players. And that was a close game. Every that, single time they played, it was close. It was so. a very close game. So, there, you know, if Lamar Jackson had somewhat of the talent that Clemson has, I think 
you know, Louisville wins against Clemson. So I think NFL now, you know, Deshaun's weapons are good. They're decent. But, I mean, you got Lamar. You got Mark Ingram. You got J.K. Dobbins. You got Hollywood Brown, Willie Stead. Mark Mark Andrews. Matthews with his one-arm touchdown grab. He's got, you know, Lamar's got weapons. And his arm, I swear, is getting better every single game. And nobody can stop him running. Just nobody can. So I think Baltimore wins 10, 14 points. It's going to be about two scores. Yeah. Dawn, anything? I mean, I think it's consensus here, right? Yes. Yes, it is consensus. Um, I'm going to pick the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm glad that you made the – what do you call that? I'm glad you made the – yeah, the analogy, the comparison to college. Um. Lamar has all the stars, and Deshaun is basically carrying his team. Like, I think Bill O'Brien's going to have to yeah. give Deshaun a back brace or two after the season's over because of how much carrying that he's doing. I think, and honestly, um, when I compared it, I think that their uh, roles reversed. Yeah, Lamar, I mean, yeah they are. Obviously, it has they reversed. Are. They are, that's what I meant. Now the roles are reversed, and now we're seeing who's flourishing and who's really not. I mean, Watson's yeah. have, for what Watson's been through, he's putting up some respectable oh, numbers. Absolutely, but you know, it's it, like it, it kind of shows if Lamar had the same town as Clemson. Oh my gosh, I think in college Lamar would win. But yeah, we can live Big dogs, that let's see. I don't know, Christian. We better like chill with hypotheticals since he doesn't like it. No, I mean, I just don't care for yeah, them. Talking about the hypothetical. All right, <laughs> go ahead and talk. As we predict our future, which is actually hypothetical. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh my. Okay. But anyway. Anyway, anything else you want to add for the Texas Ravens game? Dalton. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna try to predict the score. Uh, but yeah, I think the Ravens will win pretty handily. I think that the run game will actually flourish like more than it did versus Cleveland, though. I think that Mark Ingram will probably have a good game because he didn't last game. And J.K. Dobbins had a touchdown or two. But I think uh, Lamar, J.K., and Mark Ingram will just go off. So, just my thoughts. You did put me down for the Ravens, though, right, Spence? I have it. I can always change if you change your mind. But, yeah, I have Ravens run down. All right, champ. Anyway, on to uh, Sunday night football. We have my favorite team, the New England Patriots, taking on the Seattle Seahawks in uh, – in Seattle, in front of no one, which I think that right there, I think plays a because we know how the twelfth man is at Century Link. I think that the no fans plays a little bit more to New England's favor, but again, I'm not. Uh, I mean, I can be a homer at times, but I'm realistic. I'm not going to be sitting here and just declaring every single game Patriots going sixteen. No, I'm going to predict actually they lose this game to Seattle. I think Seattle is. Chris Carson, phenomenal game. Russell Wilson, looking like he could win his first MVP this year. Uh, the, like if Newland is to win, what they need to do is what they did against Miami, and that's control the clock. Because we saw them run the ball really well, especially with Cam at quarterback. He can run and scramble, and they ran a lot of options. So Newland, if they are to win, they have to control the clock. That's the first thing they got to do. And the second, get more of the passing game involved. Like yes, Newland team bet I mean they didn't really throw the ball that much so you got established some sort of passing game but again I think Seattle their offense is just clicking on new level and I mean that team is just going to be really good and they're playing in their home environment so I think Seattle does win this game 
Don, I'll throw it over to you now. Well, Spence, I think that our roles have reversed. Um, I say this because I'm going to pick the Patriots to win. Mm. And here's why I say that. Um, I would love to a Patriots win. Don't, take, don't um, get me wrong here. I would love they win. It's just predictive. That's all it is. So if yeah. the Patriots do lose um, – I will go on the record in saying that I was wrong beforehand. I'll say it now. And, um, of course, I know Seattle is a great team. Um, but the Patriots just need to run the ball extremely well like they did against Miami. Um, and, of course, Miami and Seattle are two totally different teams. But if they run the ball and control the clock and Bill Belichick does that magic that he does on defense – then um, I think New England will edge this one out. But I'm not counting the Seahawks out whatsoever. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they win this game at all. Well, you can never count Seattle. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I mean, I'd be mildly surprised if we do pull this off. But, I mean, it could be – For sure. No fans is definitely a factor. Because if, if there's a crowd, I don't see it any way. Like, even during the offseason before Cam signed, I was like, Jerry Stidham, week two – Going to Seattle, the no fans portion would have been really good for him. Cam is just a much better quarterback, obviously, because he's much more established. Yeah, and if, honestly, Seattle had fans, then I would pick Seattle all the way. Um, But I have underestimated – well, I have not underestimated, but I have picked against Bill before, and it's come back to backfire and backfire really, really really bad. So, uh, you know, guys got to learn from his mistakes. So, yeah, Christian, what do you have to – what's your prediction? So, break the tie we have So, here. it's kind of interesting that you say break the tie because I think that these – so, I think these teams are kind of quite opposite how they played last week. The Seattle played to Russell Wilson. He had 322 yards, four touchdowns, and he only had four incompletions. That's it. The, and he was also the lead rusher against Atlanta. He had 29 yards, and Carl had, had 23. If Hyde and Carson have a good game, it may be different. And the same thing with the Patriots. You know, Cam only had 155 yards in the year. No touchdowns, no picks, but still only 155 yards only of uh, 15 completions. They had, the Patriots, 217 rushing yards. 217, and they had every single touchdown was from the ground. Cam had two, and Sony had one. So it's really like the ground game versus in the air. And to me, their strength in Seattle is with Jamal Adams and Shaquille Griffin. The strengths for New England, you know, is also Stephon Gilmore, but Chase Winovich is really good. You know, Terrence Brooks, John Seaman, how are they going to play? John Simon, excuse me. How are they going to play well in defensive front? So, it, man, it's tough for me to decide because I I can see both teams really winning. But I am going to say Seattle in a very close game. I think I'm going to go with Spencer and say Seattle, but I would not be shocked at all if New England pulls it off. But I'm going to say Seattle for predictions. Yeah, I mean, New England's defense had three interceptions last week, and, like, Gilmore had one. Adrian Phillips came over from the Chargers, got one. And 
So, I mean, the defense is really good on both sides. I can see it being low-scoring, or I can see the offenses getting going early. It could, It's just going to be really interesting. And then last but certainly not least, the uh, New Orleans Saints traveling cross-country to the the now known as the Las Vegas Raiders opening their new stadium in front of no one, unfortunately. But the debut of the new stadium, the first ever home game in Las Vegas in NFL history, the Saints and the Raiders. And, I mean, it's a good storyline for the Raiders to have it. But I think, honestly, I just see the Saints are just far away the better team. They, I mean, they both want to know, don't get me wrong, but the Saints play a much tougher team in Tampa Bay, and they picked off Tom Brady twice. The offense, Drew Brees, put up all these numbers, so... I think this is going to go to L.A. or L.V., excuse me. And this is going to be a horrible homecoming for Gruden and company. I just, I'm going to say probably 17 points victory for the Saints. So I'm going to throw it over to uh, Christian on this first. So, you know, with the pick six that uh, New Orleans had against Tampa Bay, the score actually should have been probably 27-23. Like, it was like, I think it was 34-23, so it would have been 27-23. So a much closer game in New Orleans. And Las Vegas, you know, they play Carolina Panthers, and we all can agree Carolina's kind of in a little rebuild mode. But, they, you know, really the biggest reason they were still competitive was because of Christian McCaffrey. And Teddy Bridgewater was really good for Carolina against that Raiders defense. Um, uh, Yeah, against the Raiders defense. But, like you said, I wouldn't say 17 points. But I would say New Orleans takes the dub on this one. Even though that Raiders- I mean, yeah, unless Jacobs gets going early, I don't really see much of a chance for the Vegas Raiders. Nope. Maybe Ruggs can get, get – I mean, he, we don't know how fast he is, but, I mean, I think Jacobs is going to be what makes it break his – Carr does not scare me as a passer at all. If he, if he and Henry Ruggs can uh, click, then absolutely I think they can be – a uh, little scary duo in the future. But right now, as early as it sees, I'm, I'm picking the Saints to win. Yeah, Dahl, what are your, what's your predictions for the game? I'm picking the Saints. Uh, he's stopping Josh Jacobs from running all over the place, man. And uh, as regards to the Raiders, just do what you can do and slow Drew Brees and that offense down. Cause you, because we all know that the Saints' defense is going to come to play like they did last week. Um, and the coaching advantage goes to New Orleans 100%. Sean Payne's a way better coach. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to take New Orleans. Go 2-0. and I mean, one thing to note is the Saints are without Michael Thomas. He is right now, I believe, doubtful for Monday night's game. So, but, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is still really good. So, maybe, I, I don't know. I'm still saying 17. I think they can get the run game with Camaro and Latavius going. Maybe it's not quite 17, but, you know, it's just prediction. I mean, Jared, Cook, Jared Cook was a really good weapon. I think he had, was like 5 of 80. So mm-hmm. Yeah, and, of course, Taysom Hill can go do everything. Camaro caught some at the backfield and got a touchdown. So, even though Michael Thomas is out and it's going to hurt the Saints offense a little bit, I don't think – uh, Las Vegas, you know, I don't think it will change that much. And, like, honestly, think about it this way. Before Emmanuel Sanders got there, they had Michael Thomas, who's number one, a bunch of twos and threes, like a normal wide receiver core, Jared Cook. So when Michael Thomas isn't playing, Emmanuel Sanders is still there. Emmanuel Sanders was a number one in Denver 
So either way, they still have a number one wide receiver, number one capable wide receiver who can do a lot of damage on the outside. Oh yeah, if this was last year, Michael Thomas is out. I don't, I don't know if they win this game. Maybe, exactly. maybe I could be. I mean, last year's Carolina team was a lot different, or Vegas team was a lot different. So, anyway, that about wraps up for this episode of Out of Bounds. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we are available on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Please share with your friends and family to help help support us and help boost our ratings. Because you know we love the support. If you have any feedback, feel free to. Uh, Send us your feedback because, you know, we take criticism well. Well, let us know how we can improve the show. I mean, anything you guys can give us to help make us a better podcast and more enjoyable for your listening. Anyway, I'm Spencer Brown. I'm Dalton Bishop. I'm Christian Ernst. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good rest of your day.